What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. Today on the show, we got Scott Ferraci from Solero Commerce. This is a cool conversation, really about his journey in all parts of advertising, from the brand side, agency side, starting his own agency, and now being in the CMO role at Solero. We talk a lot about integrated marketing and really how to look at the whole thing and the touch points in your consumer and how maybe some traditional avenues that get knocked on a lot, you know, by people in the social media world actually have some legs to them and can be appropriate for your business depending on where your business is at in its life cycle. So I really enjoyed this conversation. I think you all will as well. But before we get into that, as always, look, we put on this show, guys, the sponsor of the show is us and we are Cave Social. We are an agency based out of LA that helps companies grow with social media. If you're feeling stuck, you want to grow your business, head over to cavesocial.com, hit that contact us. We'd love to help you out. All right, without further ado, let's get into this episode. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the show. Today, joining me is Scott Ferraci. He is the CMO over at Solero Commerce. Scott, how you doing? Good. How are you doing, Jordan? I am doing well. I cannot complain. So before we get into all things Solero... Talk to me. Tell me your story. How did you find your way into you know this CMO position? Sure, absolutely, Jordan. So it's kind of probably a roundabout way to end up here in the payments space or the fintech space. I started out my career in the sports and entertainment marketing industry, and so I I worked in everything from corporate consulting and working with companies like Sears and Bank of America. UPS. We did a lot of sponsorship leveraging programs for them. So everything from Olympics to Garth Brooks tours to Ringling Brothers to theater, nonprofit work, kind of helping organizations craft marketing plans across these multi-million dollar sponsorships. So I went out and spent $60 million to be a sponsor of the Olympics. Uh, Now what do I do with it? And how do I make sure the board's not really unhappy with us for spending all that money and showing some type of ROI? So I spent a good chunk of my career starting out learning at the ground floor, which I think will has been very helpful to me because starting out, a lot of what we did was we were kind of like a general contractor. So my job was to work with a lot of the other agencies. So whenever you're working with these Fortune 500 companies, as you're probably well aware, they tend to have an agency for everything. So whether it was for promotional marketing or public relations or investor relations, if it was advertising, if it was media placement, if it was event marketing, Our job a lot of times was to sit at a table, pull them all together, and make sure we had a threaded, very concise and consistent messaging and platform for which they leveraged these sponsorships. That was a good chunk of how I started my career. While I was doing that, a lot of my focus area was in the financial services industry. So I worked with companies like American Express, MasterCard, Bank of America, as I said, First Union, a lot of banks. And then the card issuing side of the business for MasterCard and ran a lot of those programs. As it so happened, we were uh, we had moved to Dallas to start an agency and we were selling that agency. And right about the time we were selling the agency, Payment Tech came knocking and said they were looking for somebody to help them with branding. 
And, you know, oversimplifying a little bit, they looked at it as, hey, we're a big fish in this marketplace, but we compete against Bank of America and Chase and, you know, brands like that who have, you know, consumer elements, a retail bank side of the business. So for them, they were spending lots of dollars branding. And so when you're competing for that merchant business, you know, they want to trust where they put their money. So processing payments, which is what Payment Tech did, was an important piece of any business's lifeblood. And so they want to trust the brand they're working with. So at the time, Payment Tech took kind of a leap of faith and brought in somebody from a much different world to come in and help them with their branding. And so that was back in the early 2000s. And it was a great experience. I really learned this space pretty in-depth across all of its distribution channels and how to create various B2B marketing endeavors, how to work with different sales channels across a very large organization at the time and how to work in an industry that is not complicated. You're basically moving money from a consumer's bank to a merchant's bank, right? But it's very complicated in the number of players and the roles different players and partners um, have in the payment space. And so having to learn all of that was very helpful because it's to your original question, it is what led me here. So at the time, our current COO of Solero is an individual by the name of Kevin Jones. And at the time, Kevin ran the bank channel, which was working with our bank partners um, at Payment Tech. And so banks that either sent referrals to Payment Tech to handle the merchant services or payments piece, or we provided a white label service to that bank and they marketed it under their name, but we really were kind of the backstop for them. So Kevin ran that whole side of the business and which is where I met him and we worked together. Eventually we kept in touch. I went out after Bank One bought, or Chase bought Bank One and brought in their own New York marketers and us Texans had to take a leave of absence. Uh, I went out, started my own agency, did that for about another decade worked in a lot in the nonprofit space, continued to work in the financial services space, did some work with events and event marketing too. So I kind of I kind of dabbled in everything I had done prior to that and then had kept in touch with Kevin over that whole time. And then Kevin, with the backing of a private equity company, LLR Partners out of Philadelphia, uh, decided to start Solero. And when he did that, he asked, hey, this is the chance for us to work together again. And that brought me to Nashville and to the CML, CMO role here at Solero Commerce. I love it. And it's interesting to hear, right? You know, really getting a wide breadth of experience when it comes to marketing, both from the brand side, the agency side, running your own agency, being in a highly regulated space, like anything financial, where there's a lot that you have to red tape, you have to get through or around. So I always appreciate that when I hear from people who are like, okay, I dipped my toe in a lot of pools before I, I got to really dive in and you know take this CMO role in something that sounds like it really puts all those pieces together, right? Now, one of the things that interests me is we talked a little bit off air about really looking at integrated marketing plans, looking at the whole thing. Do you think that you, you know, in the early days when you were really coming in and managing all of those agency partners and working with brand, do you feel like that I mean, obviously it all helped, but do you feel like that in particular really helped equip you for like, okay, seeing that wide amount of agencies that all under one roof and seeing all the different really responsibilities that they had, how did that help, I guess, with forming Solero's, you know, integrated plan? 
Absolutely had a big bearing on that. I mean, I think, you know, we all learn stuff as we go through our careers, right? And you hopefully piece that together to make yourself better. You're always trying to improve. I think what it gave me was a very good perspective at looking at how all the various elements, and if you want to boil it down for simplicity's sake and look at things like, you know, how does, you know, traditional broadcast media versus now today's world, which is much more digitally driven um, versus, you know, public relations and community relations, um, experiential marketing, all of the various elements that you touch on a day-to-day basis, if you're in a CMO role, let's say, and what each of those elements does for a business, an organization, a brand, pick what you want, you know, each of them has its place, right? And so they each support your overall efforts in a different way. And I think understanding how they all interplay is helpful when you want to start to develop some type of consistent messaging across all of your marketing endeavors. And, you know, I think for me, having seen all that, it helped mold me in a way that I wasn't, I don't overly lean to say, hey, it's all digital or it's all, you know, because I think that can be a pothole you can step in, right? Because I've seen it. If you're a startup company or small, you're really focused on what's going to help you and what's going to drive the business day to day, which is the right thing to do. But, you know, if you've got, hopefully you've sat down and you've built yourself a branding plan, a marketing plan that has a, you know, what, where am I going to be in a year? Where am I going to be in three years, five years, 10 years? And, you know, all of those pieces have a play in that at some point. And that's not to say that, you know, oh, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go buy a Super Bowl ad tomorrow. And I always joke with our CEO about that, but it's 50% kidding and it's 50% truth because I can look at that and go, hey, that traditional broadcast element of your marketing mix would be impactful and it could be impactful and here's how it could be. And at the right time point in a certain organization's life cycle, it could be very valuable and it could be the right tactical element to implement. Um, But if you're not looking at it that way, I think you can easily say, okay, we're just going to dump everything into social media today. And that's all we're going to do. We're just going to kill it on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and TikTok. And they might have some results for you, but I think, you know, overall, you're probably hurting your brand in ways you might not even know if you're not looking at it in a more integrated and broader spectrum view. Yeah, you said something interesting there, which I totally agree with, is really looking at where your brand is at in its life cycle, right? And then marketing appropriately. I mean, we worked with a startup that was heavily funded. They sponsored a couple NFL teams. And the problem with that is nobody knew who they were. So when their name was plastered all over the stadium, it made no sense. Where when you take a company like Geico, for instance, or Nike, it's about the impression now. I know what Geico does. They're already hitting me a million other ways. So it makes sense for them to be there. It makes sense for them to fly the plane. You know, if you're ever down in Miami, they'll fly the plane by with the Geico thing. It makes sense because their brand is at a different point than, you know, a startup that's just coming, which is like, we got to get users in the door. It's real. We don't have any brand equity. It's just what's our cost per acquisition? How do we ramp this up? And what channels are facilitating that? But I think that to your point, identifying five years, 10 years, or at what growth point are you as a brand going to say, okay, we got to diversify our marketing efforts a little bit here. And what is was considered old school. I've been saying this for a while now. All the old school stuff is coming back new school because everybody got <laughs> yep. away from it. Yep. And, you know, we're seeing that, that there's, it, it can be effective. Like, absolutely. Mail out can be a effective. Couple, a couple things you just said, Jordan, that really resonate too. And I would say that I 
strongly believe in. A, the old school efforts, it's like uh, we just got done, we're about to launch a new product out into the marketplace and we're going to put it into a direct mail campaign because I can tell you what open rates on direct mail today are much higher than they ever used to be, probably because people don't get mail anymore. So I put something on your desk, you're going to open it, even if it, in you know 10 years ago, you would have thrown that out and not even seen it. So you know that I think is really key is looking. And again, I think everything you just said to me goes back to the whole thing about an integrated approach and where you are in your life cycle. So, which could be very different. Every brand is different, right? Every organization is different. And I'll put a plug in here because, hey, I came from that world. I know that's your world, but that's why I think agencies are so important because they bring a perspective that is outside looking in sometimes and can make you think about things in a different way. But also it's like even that example you used at the beginning, one of the things I would have said was, hey, and this is maybe that life cycle thing where somebody goes, hey, we're going to go do, we're going to sponsor some NFL teams or we're going to go do a Super Bowl ad but they shoot their whole wad on that and have nothing else in that integrated mix. Because I could look at that and go, well, if, let's go sponsor a team and then let's go do some in-market events. And if it's a retail store, let's do some things at the store. So we're exposing who our brand is and reinforcing this message. So when people start to see that at the games, then they come back and they relate, oh, that was that product I saw on the shelf or that was the sampling they were doing at the Kroger down the street. Oh yeah, I just saw that news story the other day. Oh, that's right. That's the company that made that $10,000 donation to the shelter down the street. Oh, that's the one with the ad that pops up on my, you know, uh, Candy Crush game every time I'm playing it. So I go back to that and say, that's, that's a perfect example you bring up of somebody looking at something and going, that's why integrated marketing is so important because you're touching and today's consumer, you've got to touch them in so many different ways that you can't just rely on radio advertising anymore for print or TV or digital. I think you've got to find ways to reach them in multiple means. Yeah. And with different messaging too, right? Which is something I think a lot of startups miss the boat on. And like, look, we're an agency and I'm very big on like storytelling. We have to do that. But I also understand that there are product placement ads that need to run as an auxiliary. There's a reason you see Burger King put a billboard up that says two burgers, $3. Yep. There's no story there, it, but it's part of the larger, to your point, Absolutely. integrated marketing. And I think people forget that in other spaces as well. To you know, just be like, hey, we need to have some direct product stuff going out on digital. We need to look at, if we're a local restaurant, like, yeah, we need to hand out, do some direct mail pieces. Or if you're other businesses, direct mail can benefit from yeah, absolutely. You know, because the open rates, like you said. I mean, what we've started doing, I send handwritten notes to every single person who's a guest on this show. They get a handwritten note, you're going to get one. And, you know, we actually aren't even selling anything. We're just saying thank you, you know, and we have a little gift. But it's like, that's quote unquote old school, right? But the thing is, I know if I send that mail, you're opening it, you're stopping, yep. you're going to, what's this, right? And I think that. That to me speaks to really this larger thing that companies and brands need to click into is really understanding the consumer motivation at a deep level. At what point are they getting the mail, right? At, at where are they seeing it? Are they seeing the, are they stuck in traffic when they're seeing and they're hungry at 4.55 PM when they're seeing that Burger King, two burgers for three bucks? right? Like, where is that? Is it, it close to a Burger King? Like all of those things. And obviously BK is a massive example, but I think it could, those principles can be boiled down when you are a startup or when you're in the B2B space and saying, okay, we're going to do this at this level with our organization. And we're going to make the uh, effective changes. We're going to take our 3000 person list that we have of our targets, and we're going to get real granular with how we talk to them. I think it's something that is just so crucial. 
And I think that if you go back to the whole life cycle discussion, I think it's important to say that and say, hey, okay, we're here and let's look at, we might be only to be able to do this amount or spend this or execute against this in digital versus print or traditional or direct or pick whatever channel you want to look at or even in, you know, hey, we don't have a big media department, but, you know, we can pitch a couple key trade pubs, right? And pitch the story and there's your story. And that's where the story becomes into such a big play, but that doesn't mean you forget all the other channels. And I think, you know, I think that your point, the swinging of the pendulum, the whole digital space and, you know, you've got those big digital beasts who are, can tout that they know everything about every consumer and they know what they're going to do every minute of every day. Right. And that's the data they're selling. And that's what big brands are supposedly buying into. But you know, we're all human beings and we all exist on this planet and interact on a daily basis in so many different ways. You're going to leave your office today, hopefully, and get in a car and drive somewhere. You're going to listen to the radio. You're going to see a billboard ad. You're going to, you know, you're going to go home and open your mail. You're going to, you're going to talk to your family and they saw something on Facebook or Twitter that's going to cause you to talk about something. And it just always reinforces to me the value of not forgetting what all these different channels can do for you and how they interplay and, you know, have an impact on your business. And how they have an impact on the consumer, right? To your point, it's like you have to go multiple touch points with different types of messaging because we don't know where that can consumer is. I say this to clients all the time when we look at like channel selection with social, for instance, and I say, okay, let's think about this. Sure, this might fit on Facebook, but let's also think that when a person sees this, what's the content above and below it? Did they just finish scrolling past their uncle being super racist to piss them off to where they're, or somebody complaining, saying something political and and it made them so angry and now they're seeing your ad? Or is that a better served you know, add on LinkedIn where that person, when they open LinkedIn is probably thinking more about, you know, career development. They're not expecting to see a photo of a puppy dog, you know? So it's like understanding the context, same thing with your local restaurant getting a mailer or you're seeing that billboard on your drive home. Where are people? What are their motivations when they see your brand and what type of mood are they in? And like you said, they're a human being. They come home, they open the mail, right? So like understanding that, and understanding the consumer's you know, wants and needs or trying your best to, I, I think is something that a lot of brands have not forgotten, but they've dismissed. And I would totally, especially I see it a lot in the B2B space too. Because in that B2B space, you tend to think, oh, I know my audience is very defined or I'm going to do account-based marketing. It's an all be focused. And, I, and you know, I have these discussions with the sales guys here where it comes up and they goes, and they'll come to me and go, okay, we exhausted that. We took the list, we called them all and Nobody picked up the phone or even talked to us. So now what do we do? And I'm like, you know, that, and that's kind of the point. And so, and I think some B2B companies I've seen that forget that to your exact point, what you just said, they're entities, but they're people and they're consumers. Their consumer for some brand is marketing to them. And so they're consuming your message in the same way they're consuming P&G's message or Coke's message or Pepsi's message. So be cognizant of that when you're picking to your exact point, what channels you're using to push your message and what's that message you're putting on those channels. Because to your very point, we think about not only just what do we do on Facebook versus LinkedIn versus you know, Twitter, but it's also what's the tone? What is that message that we want to craft, which is going to be very, I'm always about that is, especially in the B2B space, you better really understand that because all it takes is one, you know, one pissed off customer and one half a star review on Google. And now all of a sudden everybody's out of sorts. And it's impacting buyer decisions, right? Scott, 
I'm going to let you go. I enjoyed this one. For anybody who wants to learn more about Solero, where should they head? They can head to solerocommerce.com. Amazing. Thanks so much for coming on. I love this one. Everybody go ahead over, check out Solero, solerocommerce.com. I will put a link to that in the show notes as well as to Scott's LinkedIn. Uh, Thanks again for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Jordan. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody, that's it for this episode. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton, and I'll see you next time. Um,